Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. everyone, Jean Ginsberg here. Welcome to another episode of Listen by Jean Ginsberg. And I'm very excited. We have a special guest today, Char- Charles or Chuck, as you go by Chuck. Um, Chuck, how's it going? Well, actually, I'm doing very well. Um, I've had a pleasant summer and, you know, it's I've enjoyed all of our previous conversations. So it's quite an honor and a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Yeah, yeah, we met through, oh, I think through LinkedIn, actually. I was just going back through my mental notes. I was like, yeah, LinkedIn. Um, and had, yeah, a couple conversations. Um, so, yeah, thanks for being here. And first question I always ask our audience, or, I'm sorry, our guests are, tell us about your background. Ooh, where to start? <laughs> um, well, I currently live in Barcelona, Spain, and I've been here about 18 years but I'm, I grew up in a small farming village about two hours west of Chicago. And I, I guess that's kind of relevant because when you grow up in a, a rural farming area, you learn to be quite resourceful at a very young age because you have to solve all your own problems. There's just nobody around to help you. And it turns out that problem solving is what I love most as an adult, but specifically solving business problems by applying new business models and innovative technology. And I suppose today we would call those people entrepreneurs, but I didn't learn that word until 15 or 16 years ago. And by then I'd already started four or five companies and Currency Alliance, which is my current company is is the 12th company that I've started. So um, I guess I'm a serial entrepreneur, uh, but, but always focused on solving business problems. Okay. So tell us about the current company, Currency Alliance, and what kind of business problem are you solving with this company? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It was about six and a half years ago that I was between companies, and I was hired as a freelance consultant to work for a company called AIMIA, A-I-M-I-A, which at that time was one of the largest operators of loyalty programs in the world. They were running the Aeroplan program for Air Canada, the Aeromexico program uh, for Aeromexico, Nectar, which was the largest loyalty program in the UK, Travel Club here in Spain, the Air Asia loyalty program, and a few others. And they had hired me because at that time I was a bit of an expert on travel product distribution. And when people collect a lot of points in a loyalty program, they want to redeem for aspirational travel experiences. And so they had hired me to help them add travel products into the redemption catalogs for their various loyalty programs. But during the six or seven months I was working with them, I basically learned how these intermediaries are extracting way too much profit and margin from the loyalty ecosystem, which means that many of the customers just aren't benefiting as much as they can. And so in 2015, I started studying the loyalty industry because I thought there was a significant disruption opportunity. And I came to the conclusion that there are really fundamentally two problems in loyalty marketing. The first one is that if you're a frequent business traveler, 
you tend to benefit nicely from loyalty programs because of your frequency. You can choose to fly in the same airline most of the time, stay in the same hotel group. Your employer or your client is typically paying the travel expense, but you get to keep the points and use them however you want. So you get upgrades and free flights and free hotel rooms and life is fantastic. The problem with that is 98% of the people do not travel very often. And what tends to happen with them is they'll join 10 or 20 or even 30 different loyalty programs in their local community, but because they just can't spend enough money with any one brand to accumulate a lot of points in one program, they end up with a tiny number of points spread across dozens of programs. And that degree of fragmentation means that they have low perceived utility for the points or miles in most of those programs. And so they're really not engaged. And the second problem is most retailers might have 20%, sometimes 25% of their total customers active in the loyalty program. And those are, the, again, the frequent customers who expect the benefit from rewards. But the vast majority of their customers, they have no idea who they are, and they're just not frequent enough shoppers to ever bother joining the loyalty program. And so we created Currency Alliance based on the vision that if you wanted to get 50 or 60 or even 70% of your customers active in the loyalty program, you either had to offer them the loyalty points they really want, which might be points from an airline like United Airlines or Marriott Hotels or um, you know, some other loyalty program, or you needed to enable your loyalty points to have more spendability, basically to give the customer there's more freedom to redeem points, even if they only had a thousand or 5,000 points. But at that time, there was no payment network or infrastructure in place to enable brands to collaborate with loyalty currencies or basically, you know, complete transactions between brands. And so we built a software as a service platform that makes any type of accrual or exchange or redemption transaction with loyalty currencies simple and low cost, much like Stripe or AdYen or even MasterCard or Visa enable transactions with you know, credit cards and fiat currencies, we do the same type of thing with loyalty currencies. Okay. Wow. That's a very in-depth description, but I really enjoyed learning more about it because I, I, know, I, I know a little bit about um, points and online points, but um, you're definitely the expert. And I'm sure our audience has also enjoyed listening to how that works. So um, and what kinds of businesses then do you typically work with? Yeah, so we work with major airlines like Air France, KLM, Norwegian, um, Air Arabia, Vietnam Airlines, Garuda Indonesia, Air Asia. We also work with hotel groups like Wyndham Hotels or Malia Hotels. We have quite a few banks that now use our platform to enable customers to exchange points out of the bank's loyalty program, mm -hmm. usually, usually into a airline program. And then a number of brands like Agilent, which sells laboratory equipment to hospitals and universities, um, runs their loyalty program on our platform. We work with Live Nation, uh, Game Show Network, Under Armour, um, some mobility companies like Enterprise Alamo Rent-A-Car. So anyway, these are companies that are either running their own loyalty program on top of our, um, our headless loyalty system, or they're collaborating with complementary brands so that they can issue each other's currency or enable exchange. Right. 
So, and your uh, Currency Alliance is a tech platform and a marketplace. Is that how you would describe it? Actually, that's a really insightful question. Um, we started out as a marketplace, and the idea was to facilitate the collaboration between brands by making it easy to discover new potential partners, mm -hmm. um, simplify the contracting process, uh, generate consistent reporting, reconciliation, and settlement between the partners, basically to get rid of back office administrative cost, mm -hmm. uh, but also to allow the partner managers within these brands to you know, manage hundreds of partners because of the efficient platform as opposed to the limits that have existed over the last decade where they can only manage you know, six or eight or, or 10 partners at a time. But because we had built our system as a series of microservices to manage the points bank or the rules engine or the redemption catalog, and everything was API driven, we effectively, became a headless loyalty system or API first loyalty system where now brands are building entirely customized loyalty solutions on top of our API. So they don't have to build all the complicated backend technology. All they have to focus on is the customer facing experience that they want to deliver to their customers. And so many of the brands I just mentioned have gone live within a matter of weeks. Right. Right. So it's almost like a marketplace slash tech platform slash clearinghouse slash reconciliation of online currencies. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, it's those, a lot. Those, yeah, those things are all related, you know, yeah. in the life cycle of, you know, a customer's engagement with the loyalty program. But, you know, looking back five years ago or certainly 15 years ago, most collaboration in loyalty marketing was all managed by email. Right. and spreadsheets. And that's just not scalable. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely inefficient when it comes to large scale. Yeah. I mean, currency points that are being traded, you know, on a regular daily hourly basis. So absolutely. Um, well, thanks. Yeah. That's, that's a good point, which leads me to my next question is um, what have been some of the changes that you've experienced in the points loyalty industry? Um, I'm sure I know that I've seen changes. Um, a lot of, you know, in terms of like, for example, even like banks, I used to have like 20 years ago, I used to have a Citibank card that was um, uh, a, an American Airlines points card, but then they got rid of that. So I guess it's almost like they're trying to like, I don't want to say consolidate or maybe like lower the um, opportunities for consumers like myself, but maybe you can speak to some of the changes that you're seeing. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that, you know, modern Modern loyalty programs, as we know them today, were really you know, started about 35 years ago by American Airlines when they launched the Advantage program. And United Airlines followed very quickly. And then within five years, all the big travel brands had points-based loyalty programs. And originally, the idea was to kind of lock in your customer. You know, if they're earning a bunch of points and they're getting closer to a reward, then they're, or a free flight, basically, or a free hotel room, they're not going to fly on some other their airline, even if the price is more expensive, because they want those points in order to get to the free flight or free hotel room. And then, and so the partnerships that were created between airlines and hotel groups or rent-a-car companies uh, kind of flourished. But among airlines, hotel groups, and rent-a-car companies, there are only you know three to five leading brands in any one of those categories in most countries in the world. And so those brands are have been collaborating with each other for 20 years. 
using old business models, but they've been collaborating for many years. And because loyalty marketing technology was always quite expensive, most medium and smaller size companies were locked out of being able to use points-based loyalty programs. If they had a loyalty program, it was often a, a stamp card where you get 10 stamps on a card and your 11th coffee is free. But, but they weren't able to use sophisticated loyalty marketing to engage with their customers. Today, the cost of loyalty technology has come down so dramatically that you know, medium and smaller brands are now engaging you know, with loyalty programs. They're starting to collaborate with some of the large brands as well. Um, but I think that's one of the major shifts is that many more companies are now able to engage, you know, with their customers using a kind of a traditional loyalty program. And, and I actually think that's going to lead to huge growth in the industry. Mm-hmm. So today I estimate there are about $500 billion worth of loyalty points in circulation in the world. I mean, that's a lot of value, but I, I really think over the next five years, that number could triple. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because, you know, the 500 billion in loyalty points today is represented by you know, maybe 20,000 companies in the world mm-hmm. that have been able, that are big enough to, you know, have sophisticated loyalty programs. But now that millions of medium and smaller companies can have loyalty programs, I think there'll be a lot more points that are issued. Uh, And the question will be, do each of these medium and smaller brands only issue their own loyalty currency, or do they just issue whatever points or miles their customers already want? And we're betting that it'll be a combination of the two, but that in order to, you know, be appealing to the mid-tail and longer-tail customer, sort of the less frequent customer, they'll give customers choice, uh, which could be their own loyalty currency or somebody else's. And we're indifferent about which loyalty currency they offer. We just process the transactions. Right, right. So if I were, or a business, maybe a small, medium-sized business who were interested in creating, uh, starting a loyalty program, let's say for my brand, what would be some of the recommendations that you would make? Well, I do think that each brand should have its own loyalty program because you want you want the customer to opt in to your loyalty program, which under um, GDPR, which is a general data protection regulations in Europe, or under the California or Virginia, you know, protection regular or personal privacy protection regulations in the United States. And we should anticipate that most other states will embrace those also. You need the customer to give you permission to collect their data, analyze their data, and send messages and offers to those customers. So if the customer doesn't opt into your loyalty program, you're going to lose permission to collect first party and zero party data and have permission to to market to those customers. So I do think that each company should have its own loyalty program. They need to be careful how much they invest in the technology to run their loyalty program. But fortunately, there are platforms like ours that make it quite inexpensive. But then I think in order to appeal to the majority of customers, they should offer more than only their own points. Because if you're, if you're a, a local pharmacy or a fashion retail company or even a business-to-business brand, only your most frequent customers will bother joining your loyalty program and give you permission to market to them. Right. So if you really want the mid-tail and longer-tail customer to also join, you're going to have to give them you know, the ability to exchange their points into merit 
Marriott or United Airlines, or you're going to have to give them the ability to exchange their points for gift cards from brands that are not competitive to your own, mm -hmm. uh, possibly allow them to exchange their points into carbon offsets or digital game time, you know, with pop popular digital games. You need to give your customers choice because if they can get to those rewards faster, then they're going to want to shop with you more often. So that it increases frequency, typically increases basket size and, and, to, and, and builds loyalty so that those customers, you know, become, you know, fans of your business and want to recommend that their, their friends and neighbors also do business with you. Right, right. Or let's say donating to charity is another one, right? <laughs> that they could do. So yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Okay. So um, if, yeah, if you're a smaller business, probably makes sense to partner up with other loyalty programs to have that as an opportunity for your customers, right? Yeah. Okay. And I think that's also related to frequency because if you're a, a, an individual grocery store chain, you may still have very high frequency with your customers because right. they shop with you every one or two weeks. But if you're a fashion retailer or a sales retailer, you know, maybe two or three times a year, maybe once every other year, maybe once every five years. And so if the frequency is low, then the points that you're offering, if they're your own, just are never going to accumulate to the level where the customer can redeem for something of emotional interest. And so you probably do need to consider collaborating with some other brand where their points are more aspirational to let the customer redeem for experiences. Right, right, right. Absolutely. So um, as we're talking now, we're about a year and a half into the pandemic. And how has your business or maybe the clients that you work with, um, how's, how's things changed since, let's say, March of 2020? Yeah, so I, I will tell you that in March and April 2020, we were quite nervous about how long the pandemic would last. And we had some projects in process, so that kept us busy during that period of time. But we had really no clients or prospects that wanted to speak with us during March mm -hmm. and April 2020, because they were all trying to figure out how to survive. Yeah. But what we found by May and June was that the travel partners on our platform realized that their customers were not gonna be traveling for the next six or 12 months. And so the only way to keep their brand top of mind and their customers engaged was to add more non-travel partners like fuel retailers or convenience stores, you know, things like that. So that customers could be earning their points every week and that kept the customer engaged. So we became quite busy last year helping add more partners into these travel loyalty programs. And then the other thing that we noticed kind of later in the summer was that many of the non-travel brands also started adding partners because when they were running a standalone loyalty program, as I suggested earlier, they might've only had 15, 20 or 25% of their customers that had joined their loyalty program. And under COVID, they had no way to communicate to the other 75 or 80% of their customers that they were open for business, whether they had curbside pickup or, you know, whatever their you know, COVID security measures were. They just had no ability to communicate with those people. And so they also started adding partners because when you have two or three or 10 or 20 complementary brands all collaborating together in a common loyalty scheme, then customers are much more ready to join because they're gonna earn points a lot faster. 
faster and get to rewards a lot faster. And so even the non-travel brands started adding more partners to make their loyalty program more attractive. So customers would opt in and then they had the ability to market to those people. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, definitely a lot of changes. I mean, also definitely positive, right? Um, because of course, uh, same thing for us. I mean, I'm sure everybody can say that like last March and April, everyone was like, ah, what's going on? Not sure what's going to happen. Um, mm. And everyone, of course, pulled back. But then, um, you know, it was interesting to see the pivots, right? Like, everyone after a couple of months started to realize, okay, what's the pivot here, right? Like, what do I need to do? If I'm a restaurant, I have to probably get on Grubhub or, or Postmates in order to continue having a viable restaurant, or in your case, um, finding other partners who are not travel partners to, um, to continue with uh, the loyalty program. So yeah, that's, um, I'm, I'm like, as you were talking about in the beginning, you mentioned entrepreneurs and it's like, entrepreneurs always kind of have that, you know, have that thing where they're like, how do we, how do we pivot? How do we continue on making money? Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And keeping yeah. So, I, so I do feel badly for the people that have suffered in the world during the Absolutely. last 18 months. Um, and knock wood, you know, our luck continues to go strong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is true. There's definitely a number of businesses that unfortunately didn't make it. Um, but, um, but good to hear that you guys, um, you know, decided to pivot. So that's always great. Um, and then the last question is kind of a wild card question. Um, I, I always ask this one of our guests, uh, what is your prediction for the industry? And that could be your industry specifically. It could be terraforming Mars or self-driving cars or ro robots running around. Um, what, what do you think is going to be happening over the next 10, 10, you know, 10 15 years? Well, I, I do believe that anybody who's investing in garages, like parking garages right now, is a fool because self-driving cars are going to mm -hmm. take over and you will just call a car to pick you up and take you wherever you want. And so the car ownership is going to go way down. But that doesn't have very much to do with my industry. No, um, uh, but feel free to talk about that because that is actually something um, that's come up on this podcast as well. The prediction was things are going to change significantly once we have self-driving cars. So, I mean, if you want to talk about that, but feel free to whatever's top of mind. Well, I, I, I mean, related to um, mobility or transportation, I think that the type of company that has a chance to build the next generation loyalty program and have the greatest success probably will be a mobility operator oh. because people have the need to move from A to B between two and 10 times a day. And so your frequency with a mobility operator or like an, an app that tells you, you know, where you are, where you need to go, whether there are buses, trains, cars, taxis, bicycles available to get you to your destination, and you can choose the mode of transportation that's most efficient for you. Uh, I think that any brand with that level of frequency with their customer has the opportunity to build a really compelling loyalty program because of the frequency. And if you know where your customers are and where they want to go, and over time you've been able to define what their habits are, then there are a lot of other retailers or brands that would like to feed off of that data in order to present, you know, personalized offers, um, you know, to go to a coffee shop at your destination or in route, you can stop here and buy this or, uh, or even to present media and content during your transportation time. Because, you know, if you don't have to drive anymore, you can pay attention to your mobile phone or anything else. And so I think 
a mobility-based loyalty program has a chance to unseat many of the leading loyalty programs today because of the frequency with customers and the willingness of partners to join your ecosystem. And they will fund the loyalty points. They'll fund all the benefits for the customer because they're trying to drive you know, more sales and more conversion. And, you know, this is a closed ecosystem controlled by, you know, a few mobility operators. And I, I think that, you know, really could lead to a pretty radical transformation in the way loyalty marketing is done over the next five to 10 years. Um, but I, I also think I gave away my main prediction earlier in our conversation. I said, I, I think the industry could triple um, over the next five to 10 years. And, and that kind of implies 60% year-on-year growth, which for most industry is unfathomable. But in the loyalty industry, I really think it's possible. And the reason for that is because today there are a few hundred thousand companies in the world with loyalty programs, but there are millions and millions of companies without loyalty programs. And now that the technology is so accessible for those millions of companies without them, I think they actually will get engaged because loyalty marketing typically has the lowest cost of customer acquisition and retention of any marketing channel. And so other new brands will enter the loyalty market because it's lower cost for them to retain and attract customers. And that means a lot more points will be issued, a lot more points will be exchanged, and a lot more points will be redeemed. And so the industry, I think, could go from 500 billion, you know, to 1.5 1.5 or $2 trillion over the next five years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So it sounds just like it's all going to be coming from primarily from businesses that are, don't have a loyalty program and just entering that market because they haven't, I mean, because they haven't had a loyalty program in the past. So that's where the new growth. Probably so will I be. think, yeah, I think the most of the new funding of points will come from the medium and smaller size companies. The currencies that are issued could be their own but they could also be from leading airlines, hotel groups, you know, or other, you know, leading loyalty programs, which could make some of the current lo- loyalty programs even larger or, and certainly more relevant if the average customer, you know, is earning points, you know, every week. Right. Uh, anyway, I, I'm quite curious to see how this yeah. plays out over time because I, I've not worked in the loyalty industry until the last six and a half years or so, but I absolutely love it. I, I, I absolutely love the industry. And, and I think, I think there's great potential for brands to improve the way they engage with customers, mm-hmm. which unlocks much better data, which allows much greater personalization. Right. Wow. Thank you. That was, um, that was fantastic. I really, I learned a lot about the loyalty industry um, and I hope our audiences um, did as well. And last question is, I promise this is the last one. How can our audiences get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Oh, well, our company is called Currency Alliance. And if you go to our website, currencyalliance.com, you'll find us. Um, We're also quite active in sharing industry insights on LinkedIn. So you you can find us on LinkedIn. Um, We use Twitter a little bit um, and other social channels. But the easiest way to reach us is come to our website, you know, send a contact us message to us or contact us through LinkedIn and, you know, we'll respond right away because, you know, as an early stage company, we need to be extremely responsive to customers, just like every other business, but we actually live that mantra. Awesome. 
thank you so much, Chuck Arad. Thank you for being here. And I love talking about this conversation. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Bye, Gene.